0: Welcome to episode 10 of Something Inventive, The Future is Ads. Social media trainer Jonathan Pollinger joins Al and I to share some of his bold predictions for 2017, such as zero-reach posts, Instagram shopping and live video. Well, guys, I'm currently sipping a lemsit. I'm feeling pretty under the weather. I've had a hard couple of weeks and cold to boot it's not been very good. But it's been a very good and busy start to the year, so I'm positive on that front, apart from being down with cold. How about you, Al? How has your week been?
1: Very uh, very busy as well, but I luckily i'm in good health just had some very late nights (laughs) no complaints
0: how's the office coming along i hear we've got a bit of a deadline now
1: well i need to get it done very soon yes you're coming down to see it are we going to
0: publicly announce it put it out there yeah
1: it's going to need a floor it doesn't technically need a floor you could just sit in the mud if you want that you know that still counts doesn't it
0: yeah we can sit in the mud absolutely fine
1: yeah okay (laughs) good to hear that
0: and we've got a special guest on today uh jonathan pollinger um really pleased you could uh spend your friday morning with us so thank you for that jonathan you're welcome i interviewed jonathan back in oh mid 2015 i think he was just a general interview uh it was about periscope or um your the online video you were doing at the time
2: yeah that's right
0: and i really want to return back to that because you're doing it in a different way but before we delve into that what have you been up to recently what interesting projects have you been on
2: well, yesterday is not a bad uh, starting point because it's fresh in the memory. Just uh, sort of picked up a good relationship with an organisation called Good Things Foundation, and they do a lot of training for charities and the third sector. So I'm kind of their social media guy for the uh, South Wales and and the Southwest. And uh, had my first bit of work for them yesterday, actually, so up in um, Neath.
0: Is that something where you would uh, visit them and provide training to a group of people, or is it a more of an active role?
2: More of a, a training workshop. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say one-off, though, because um, funnily enough, we're just talking this morning about doing a, an additional workshop probably in the summer. So I think that'll work quite well because we can then review the lessons learned and see how they've got on from uh, yesterday's training as well as give them some new stuff around blogging and things like that that we didn't cover yesterday. And who knows, perhaps after that again, there might be a workshop after that to, to review once again.
0: Yeah, I, I always recommend your workshops when I see them online. They get a lot of good feedback from them. How have those been going for you?
2: Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty good. I mean, it's kind of, it's funny because the sort of public ones I call them or open workshops they're the ones that do get the most publicity and, and talked about because they're kind of like out there but actually these days it's kind of a very small percentage of what I do but mm. mainly sort of like in-house workshops being the being the bulk of it so like yesterday or going into companies and organizations and and working with them directly for half a day or a, or a day but uh, they're a great way of Raising my profile, but also hopefully, you know, I can pass on some great knowledge and good stuff to people that actually attend as well. And it's, it's quite good that, with regard to something like, say, LinkedIn, which is a regular one that I do, I co train that one with a lady called Louise Jenner, mm-hmm. uh, AKA the dream job coach. It's pretty good that for a small town like Cheltenham, we can get typically six or seven people every month uh, to learn about LinkedIn. And I think we've been doing that for coming up for two years now.
0: Yeah, it's good. Well, congratulations. I, I know how hard it is to organise and marshal people to uh, a workshop. So well done.
2: Thank you. Yes.
0: I want to come back to some of the online video you've been doing. And on that note, we've um, we've been running this podcast since so this is the 10th episode. We should have some birthday party. I, I would offer you some cake, but a bit difficult to pass around over Skype. What I wanted to experiment with is um, whether the podcast would work in a video format as well. Yep. So um, as an experiment with our last episode nine, uh, I've created a very quick video and um, with a few visuals and put it up on YouTube just to see what traction that would get, see if it gets any more or fewer views than uh, the one up on SoundCloud or via you know, your iTunes podcast player, whatever you use just to see how that would work and see how interesting it would be. It's still um, audio, so there would be no video aspect to it um, because there's a lot of benefits to that, as as we'll find in all the mistakes that get cut out that no one ever hears in this podcast. But it'd be lovely to see what people think and see whether they like that, see whether that's something we want to do a bit more of. It's nothing compared to the live video you do, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Before we get to that, I want to do a quick sponsor for TikTok, our regular sponsor, which is a bit of software that we've uh, we produced uh, ooh, wow, a couple of years ago now, and really as a way to help small businesses and startups promote themselves better online. So really, if you don't know where to start, who to trust, or you feel too busy running a company to make time for marketing, then TikTok actually might be a good fit for you. It provides you with simple tasks that you can act on right away. Each task includes its own examples, downloads, or steps needed to complete it, plus a big button to tick it off when you're done. We've designed TickedOff so you can progress from newbie to Pro at your own speed, developing confidence and learning more with each task. If you sign up for a free 30-day trial at ticked-off.com with just your name and email, you don't even need a credit card, then you'll get 30 days free trial. And if you mention us online by mentioning at RatherInventive on Twitter, you'll get another 60 days for free. So that's 90 days of off completely for free. If you're interested, get in touch with us, sign up online. TickedOff helps you be the boss of your marketing one task at a time. So back on to you, Jonathan. I was particularly interested by um, one of your last emails that came through about your social media show, and it was Bulb Social Predictions for 2017. One of the things that really took my interest is you actually listed out those predictions in the email, so I was able just to jump right in and see them rather than having to watch your video, and maybe that's something I can't do right now. So that was a really good idea to put them in there. I would like to run through a few of those, if that's okay, because I think you've got some great future insight, perhaps, on some of them, and it'd be really interesting to see oh. see how they come, come forward. Um, before we dive into that, I'll just mention we did interview Jonathan back in 2015, and I will provide a link to that interview uh, if you want to get a bit more of a background on Jonathan, or you can link straight through to his website. So I'm going to jump in at number four. We should have some Top of the Pops music. <laughs> and this is all about Facebook page posts will give you zero reach uh, this year. And really, you're saying the future is ads on Facebook. Tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah, well, this um, started uh, with uh, I was fortunate to attend a Facebook conference and even more fortunate to have a chat with one of the main speakers afterwards. Great contact for me at Facebook, actually, because um, I sort of maintained that relationship. And um, from time to time, he does me a favor and sorts things out that the the regular help team have said are impossible (laughs) to me or to, to, to clients. But I'm not sure whether he intended to, but basically there was no doubt that he told me then back in mid-2015 that their aim was to go to zero reach for for pages. And I think that now we're actually beginning to see that because Mm. it's pretty rare, but occasionally I do see on clients Facebook Insights and clients tell me that might have anything from 300 to 1,000 reach on some of their posts, but occasionally you do get one that is actually zero reach so i think we're starting to see that clearly they want to push the advertising product and the boosting of posts is kind of like a way to to beat the algorithm that they use to to basically restrict posts that appear in people's feeds and so it's a balancing act for them isn't it because they don't want to cut post reach to, to zero over overnight but I think we've seen a gradual shift towards that moment so I'm not saying that all posts are going to be zero reach without uh, advertising but I think it's going to be something that we're going to be seeing increasingly more of certainly perhaps if there is no engagement with a, with a post yeah. no natural engagement then I can quite easily see later on this year that those sort of posts will not have any reach whatsoever The whole engagement thing and the whole algorithm thing, it's kind of intertwined, really, and it it can give you a rolling snowball effect. So if you can get some activity, some likes, comments, shares going on on your your post, then more people are going to start to see that in their newsfeed. So you've got Mm. a kind of like rolling snowball effect with that. I guess it's natural for people to moan that they've got to spend money to make Facebook now work. But you do actually benefit from a lot of organic activity and anybody if they're looking at insights will have noticed this because if you spend money boosting a particular post I can virtually guarantee that your organic reach that goes along with that will actually be higher than any of your other posts so this is where that sort of like rolling snowball effect comes in Facebook see a post that has likes comments and shares they will push that into more people's news feeds and so it sort of continues.
0: So what you're saying is you need a posse uh, who are able to hover around your page and make sure they like, click, and share <laughs> your posts on there.
2: If you could, but do you know what? Facebook's algorithm is so clever that they would probably come <laughs> on to I same...
1: was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, it's very difficult to uh, t- to game the system. But of course, you know, if you're posting out engaging stuff, and I would sort of give people one word there, and that's value. If you can provide mm. value to your audience, whether that's with an eye-catching photo A useful tip or an intriguing question, just to give three examples, then that's going to help your reach.
0: Okay, thanks. Yeah, that's what I've been noticing. But you're in that space a lot more than I am.
1: So I just jump in because I'm very much, a, I guess, a Facebook newbie. I don't really do that much kind of social media stuff. That's certainly not my area. Of expertise at all, I very much would need an expert to help uh, doing anything like doing advertising and stuff. We know, of course, we know someone who can help with that. Yes. <laughs> so, playing the sort of bit of the fool here, you mentioned it, insights quite a lot. I yep. don't know what that is. Is that a, is that a tool within Facebook that just is like a little analytics thing that tells you your posts and likes and comments in a yep. statistical way?
2: Yeah, correct. And um, you know, even those people that have got uh, business pages. Again, like you, they don't actually know that Insights exists, but it is a really useful tool and it's exactly as you say, it's a central place that's uh, full of analytics. and Probably the most useful area is, again as you say, where you can get a rundown of engagement and clicks on your posts. So you get all your posts, you get that for any time period that, uh, that you like and obviously a lot of lessons can be learned there because you can see which posts are working the best and repeat those tactics and you can also see those posts that aren't working so well and perhaps do less of uh, that sort of activity. And of course if you are advertising then you can see totally the effect of the money that, uh, that, that you're spending down to, the, um, down to the very last click and as I mentioned, they break it down between the paid and organic as well. So for any particular post, you've got a pretty clear picture of what's, uh, what effect that it's had.
1: Okay, great. Thank you.
0: Um, going on to the next one I picked up here is uh, point number six. And I'll make sure I post a link for people to look through all 20 of your bold predictions. Now, this is particularly intriguing. Facebook and Instagram shopping. Now, I feel this has been coming for a while, that people have potentially been able to buy directly on a social platform. How does this work? Does this diminish the use of websites in the future?
2: Uh, Yes, in a (laughs) way. I think it's going to be huge there's plenty of other people out there that don't uh, I guess just to define what we're talking about here and it's I think it's quite easy to get your head around even though it doesn't exist in the UK yet but what we actually mean here is seeing say a picture of a pair of sunglasses for the sake of argument and where you've got at the moment a button or a link that might say buy on website you can actually click that button on say Facebook or Instagram and a card payment field will pop up you enter your card details there and then and you buy the item so you're not having to leave the social network to visit the website to actually make the purchase
1: yeah, i can see al crying in the <laughs> well, <laughs> no it's it's true you know that the idea of people going through then to a website and finding all about the product and all that sort of thing it takes too long, doesn't it? And if you've got, if you're on a social network and other people or your friends have seen or, or recommended mm-hmm. an item, it's there. You can see a, a, an engaging video about it right there. Lots of comments, positive. Yeah, why not? Have it literally, buy it right there and then. What more do you need to know in some ways?
0: Yeah. We were talking about, was it with Jonathan, about the use of social proof for products particularly? And I wonder if that's the next step. You know, If you've got a post from a product, a lot of people getting on board and enjoying that post or commenting on there, the next option is to buy it directly from the post. You know, because I, I found um, something similar with podcasts. If I listen to a podcast and they mention a product or an app, I'll look in the podcast player. They've often got a link to that, and I can go straight through to the app store. But you're, you, you often will react based on someone else's referral or opinion. So I can definitely see how there's a lot of power here.
2: Yeah, and I think we're sort of at the halfway house now because um, Facebook have introduced a, a shop section, uh, a shop and services section for for pages. So um, I would encourage anybody that, which I imagine is most people with a with a page that uh, either sells a product or a service, to to add that. And what you can do there is basically itemise your individual service or the product that you're selling, and from a from a shop basically a bit of a catalog and then you click on that item and you get it's uh, a unique page with all the details so the obvious like photo description and price mm-hmm. and at the moment you get the button so which is pretty good in itself at the moment so you get the button that says check out on website or words to to that effect but that's that's going to be the change so basically the infrastructure is there so the only and i say only and clearly there's a lot of security issues and technical stuff involved but the only change from the consumer point of view is that that button will just say buy now mm. and uh, the, the credit card thing will um, will pop up. And I think the interesting thing is, is to build on Al's point of be- it being easy and convenient and uh, attractive is the fact that it's, it's really easy, uh, almost like scarily easy to buy something <laughs> Because, you know, like other websites, once you've actually purchased something once on Facebook, guess what? The only thing you're going to need to do the second, third, fourth, and 500th time is enter your three-digit security code. Mm. That will be it. So you can envisage the process being pretty slick, knowing Facebook, so I can quite easily see, what, two-button clicks, three-button clicks, Three digits and bam, you've actually purchased your uh, your item. No need to put in email, Facebook have got it. No need to put yeah. in address, Facebook have got it. And no need to put in your credit card number, Facebook have got it. So it's going to be extremely easy to, to, to do and therefore I think fabulously popular. However, you know, I would put in a note like that's my opinion, but if you look at Twitter, they've actually recently disbanded their entire team that was focused on social shopping. So make of that what you will.
0: From a consumer point of view, I can, I can definitely appreciate that there is a lot here that is, makes things easier for me. Because if you see something and you're able to get it at that time... It makes things a lot easier for you. You don't have to go to another space. You're staying in your comfort zone. They've got all your details. You don't know what uh, website you're going to go to and uh, what you need to fill out, which is a pain. From Facebook's point of view, it's great because they keep people in the platform, so they're not losing people. And it's interesting from a business's point of view as to whether how far they embrace that, whether that is something they embrace, that online shopping directly on the on the social platform. In the knowledge, that they might have to do that on a few different platforms.
2: That's an interesting point. That could be where the difficulty comes from a business because it's going to be the integration with the website, isn't it? How is that mm. going to work? If they've got eBay shop, they've got a website and they've got Facebook, it's going to be quite a lot of work to maintain that and difficult to maintain all that separately. So there mm. might have to be some sort of system that keeps all of that coordinated and uh, synchronized. Uh, so that could be a bit of a, a, bit of a difficulty. But I think you know, for um, say somebody that makes homemade jewelry or has a small uh, shop selling clothing, let's say, mm. then it's probably not going to be too onerous to to maintain what say twenty ten items on your Facebook shop.
0: No, mm. that's right. I mean, there are shops like um, the Etsy uh, website, which um, they work they can work well because they're a they're a social platform in in a sense of their own. You know, they have a community of people who spend time on Etsy. This is just perhaps bringing that shopping experience closer to the social platform where they may have found out about the products.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it can work for, you know, I think low price products it would work very well for. Perhaps you're, if you're looking at 500,000, thousands of pounds, it's something where people would want a more considered approach, but for these sort of not impulse purchases because I don't truly believe in impulse purchases, but um, things that people, people can respond to much more quickly. I think it's uh there's definitely a future there, absolutely.
1: Makes me wonder where it'll end. I mean, you know, because it's it's almost to me like the you know the Tesco of, of online. It'll start adding more services and Facebook, you yeah. know, Facebook credit cards and you know <laughs> Facebook T V and stuff. And um just it does it, will it become the internet? You know, you, there is. You don't need anything else. You just need this sort of one sort of like portal that just does everything. Like that's the internet kind of thing. You know, I don't know how you know how it will be in like 20 years or something. It'll be interesting It, to, it already to is out.
0: for some people, isn't it? Um, well, it is. It's, yeah, it's a channel that they they spend most of their time. People, a lot of people perceive um, Facebook as where they get their information and where, where they browse information. And in fact, there's another, um, I think it's a bit of a joke prediction, but I, I, I'm going to mention it, one of your very last ones. So we'll come to that, um, which which um, goes with what you were saying about Facebook getting into lots of different things. What I was going to say, and actually on your last social um, media show, you were talking to Alexa, the, um, the voice assistant. And it certainly since those have been out and since, since Siri has been available, um, it's got me thinking that websites at the moment are very visual, but really if we're looking down the line when audio assistants become much better and able to dip into the internet for us and, and act on our behalf, then really the visual side of websites may disappear as well. So not only might you be talking to Alexa, to um, so buying things on Facebook directly by clicking or touching on your mobile device but you may also just be speaking into something which then goes and makes that purchase for you on your behalf so you never see anything yep and it's really more about the audio description that um, becomes important
2: yeah uh i agree i mean that's actually here now not sure whether it's here on uh, on alexa but certainly in terms of the voice thing and uh and facebook facebook shopping was from the subject is currently available via messenger uh yeah. as well as the the facebook shop on the on the page so believe it or not if you're do you guys like pizza
1: sometimes time, to time. Pa- partial yes
2: if you've got an account with Domino's Pizza, you can literally type, which also, of course, means that you can say because Messenger supports uh, audio, mm-hmm. you can literally say the word "pizza." Sit back in your sofa and wait for the doorbell to ring. Fifteen minutes later, when you'll get a Domino's uh, pizza, that that's here now. You can. Yeah, I have now. heard
0: about that actually. Yeah, and it's, it sounds ideal for them. Absolutely. perfect because it's a very fixed product. You have uh, people like that have their favourites that they want to reorder. Yeah. No, it's very good. And I think there's, as far as I'm aware, there is no sort of strict metadata that people can put into their websites to really allow it to be truly text savvy, apart from having a very intelligent system to go through it. And there's certain information you can put on there about identifying product titles and, and prices and so on, uh, or maybe events. But. Um, it, it may be that websites do do truly become irrelevant because people are using third-party platforms or um, or first-party in the case that they're ordering directly on it, like Facebook. And so you'd actually implement everything on there. And effectively, your website, your business is on Facebook, is on these separate platforms.
2: I was just going to sort of leading into with the metadata and uh, describing things, if I can ask ask you guys a question. What about the effect of the audio side on, on Google and on, uh, on SEO? I mean, if things really do start to go that way, then a lot of what people do for optimizing their websites uh, for SEO now, it's, it's going to become largely irrelevant, isn't it?
0: Yeah. If, and if not irrelevant, it will become more important to be position number one because no one wants to listen to a lot of results. So um, if you were to, I, I don't have Alexa, but with with Siri, um, if you're provided with results, then you'll only get a few listed on there. And they use Bing anyway as the search engine, which is interesting in, in and of itself. But let's assume, I, I believe you can get ser- um, some search results from Alexa. But let, let's say this is to come and you would get one search result back. You're going to get the top result. So yeah. search engine... Yeah. Is still um, search engine optimization is still going to be relevant. It's just going to be different, and it's going yeah. to be more important that you are the very first person to be listed on there. And ultimately, I think that's going to come down to payment of a placement for, for the number one position.
1: And, and um, I still think there shouldn't be a number one for any search. I think there should be a pool of results
2: oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's yeah.
1: massively unfair. You know, yeah.
2: Um,
1: and I know they. I know you do get slight short changes in the rankings and so forth. Um, but you know, to have one thing. That is the answer to that question is, I don't know, it's a bit of a fallacy in my mind. So maybe we'll see a bit more. I think it makes it fairer for different businesses as well to, to be in that mix of the results, like yep. you're saying. I agree. Uh, and it, it makes it more varied, too. You know, if you search on something one day, you get one result. Another day, you get different results. Yeah,
0: and, and Google does do that. Google will bring up... Um, results from lower down to test the waters and basically it will try them uh, at higher position to see whether their bounce rate is improved whether people spend longer on on that particular site so it does do that already um but perhaps doesn't do it enough what you are seeing with google though is um much more loading of ads at the top yeah yeah Certainly. And I think that will only grow as they need to get more and more income because they need
1: re- the revenue from somewhere. I mean, Facebook is, is free. It's always going to be free. So they say it's not cheap to run an enterprise oh. like that. They need their money from somewhere, of course, to keep going. So yeah, these are obvious ways of generating that revenue for them.
0: Yeah. And I think for established businesses, paying, paying to acquire a customer is absolutely fine. People are uh, quite happy with that. They've got a certain amount of profit that they know they get from a customer or a lifetime uh, profit that they get from them. They know how much they can spend to actually get that customer in the first place. So they can put that onto whatever ad platforms they want. So it's fine. It's, it's for newer businesses coming on who really have limited cash. And, and very wary about how much they spend and what they spend it on. And I think that's they're the people who often lose out by by betting little small amounts of money and not really getting anything back from it. Um, but yes, it is interesting. We'll have to see how this uh, follow up with the, this in a maybe a year's time and see how things have moved on. Um, I'll move on to the next topic, if that's all right. Now, it was number 14, uh, the future of live video. Now, I know on your recent video that you put out, automatic subtitles, so I did enable those to see how accurate they were, and I was impressed. I don't know how much editing you made to those subtitles, but I was impressed with how they came out. Perhaps tell us a little bit more about the Facebook Live video platform and how you're using it so we can get to grips with, with that and how you th- what you think the future's going to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, so Facebook Live is basically like your standard video you would normally use a phone or a tablet when you're when you're out and about, but just coming in now, uh, not all pages have got it yet. But you can actually broadcast from uh, from the desktop, so uh, from uh, from laptop essentially. Um, so that that opens up some other possibilities actually in terms of quality because it means you could attach a better quality camera, clip yeah. on mic, uh, that sort of uh, that sort of stuff. So. That's going to probably improve the overall quality of the uh, of the broadcast, but you've still got the flexibility from the from the mobile devices. And I think for me, the big thing with live is that it's kind of like true social media because what it's got that your regularly produced or pre-recorded video hasn't got is the live engagement. So Mm. people can comment. In real time so that means they can ask you questions in real time it's a very interesting dynamic where you as the live talking head can actually answer that question you can you can literally have a conversation with that person over over video and of course if that question is of interest or relevance to the other viewers then the format works works quite well because you're providing some value to to them as well so I do really like the uh, the engagement and the immediacy of it. That's what, for me, I think makes it different to uh, to your pre-recorded video. Mm. In terms of where it's going to where it's going to go, I think we're going to see more more features. So I think there's going to be things like green room. So that would be where you can kind of like go beforehand and get all set up without actually going going live. And connected with that would be what's generally referred to as split screen. So where you can have more than one person on. So
0: Ah, in
2: theory, you could have, well, not even in theory, but you could have, it's in theory on, on Facebook live, but other platforms have, have got it, but you could have somebody from Tokyo, somebody from California and somebody from, Cardiff, all on the same broadcast. So mm. that would be huge because then you could do live Q A's with those three experts. Let's say from those countries, you could have a presentation again with those three experts giving away information, but with the ability to take questions from the uh, from the audience. Of course, you could do an interview as well. So you could have uh, two people on the screen and uh, the host interviewing one or more people. From um, from different locations, so so that would be good. Um, just to mention, if somebody, if any, if you watching, listening, do want that functionality, there's a pretty good um, app that I'm using and going to continue to use uh, for another project of mine called um, Crowdcast. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure this will go in the notes, but it's um, Crowdcast.io. Uh, so it's a bit of a sort of cross between a live platform and a sort of webinar technology, but it's got all these features that I think Facebook Live will uh, will have in um in future
0: does it integrate and broadcast over facebook live
2: it doesn't unfortunately okay. not yet but perhaps it uh, perhaps it will that's kind of like the one thing that's uh, that's missing from it there was another platform called uh Huzza. i don't know if you've heard of that yeah i have heard of it but they just announced three days ago that they're closing down so uh, uh that one did actually broadcast uh, to facebook live so crowdcast is pretty much the the best one out there at the uh, at the moment
0: Mm. No, it's an interesting area, and and some you know if we if we look at the podcast that we're recording now, we've got uh, all three of us, um, where the audio is, is great, and we can re- record that. But it'd be really nice to do it live, and there are a few different ways that we could do live audio. And actually, that's another a point that you've got point number fifteen, I think. Um, but it really would, would be nice to have the live video. Not, not not that there's anything particularly great to see in the background, but I think it just gives more interaction with the people who are going to be listening to it or watching it at that time. I still do feel the value of podcasts because for me, I do uh, you know if I'm if I'm out walking the dog or I'm in the car or I'm doing chores, which you know is a huge portion of my, my time then I can be listening to a podcast without thinking oh I've got to be watching that and actually I, that I have to stop what I'm doing so there is a lot of value in an audio only program but being able to broadcast that as video initially live would be great because you've got something interactive for people who want to um, access it straight away and interact with that program but then you've got the recorded version afterwards just like your your Facebook live video really Jonathan Oh, and by the way, I was going to ask, when are you going to convert that into a podcast? Because I would catch up on it every time it comes out.
2: Yeah, if I could find an easy way to do it. Then I, yeah, I'll, uh, I ought to look into that as a good suggestion. Yeah, thanks for... Thank I'll you let, that, I'll let for
0: you know that. our process. It's not It's not that difficult. It's probably easier for you to convert your video to an audio than us to convert audio to video. <laughs> We'd yeah. have to do like
1: animations, like the Ricky Gervais show, wouldn't we? For yeah. us? <laughs> Which I think might actually have some value. To it.
0: <laughs> I was looking at that with um, our editor Donalise. We thought it was a really nice idea. We could do some animations, but maybe not for forty minutes. That's quite. That's actually quite a lot of work. When I first rendered out a 1080p version of uh, last month's um, podcast, it was something like five gig, and I didn't really want to churn out one of those each time. <laughs> Um, So actually, moving on to live audio, that's something that Facebook um, are introducing as well. Is that effectively the same mechanism, but just um, audio only instead of video as well?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I guess, again, they're after the the engagement there. So Mm. basically, it would be like a podcast, but just a live podcast. Not available to Pages right now, but a few broadcasters are uh, trialing it, Uh, apparently, although I haven't actually seen any evidence of it yet, maybe they're just testing it internally before they um, launch it to the public, but um, LBC uh, radio station and uh, the BBC are are, are supposed to be trialing it at the moment.
0: Okay, so that's not available to the public yet?
2: Not yet, No. no.
0: Okay, now I'll look out for that because that could be a way of us testing the water to move this live. Good points. Um, the final one that I pulled up here is uh, Facebook is going to start a chain of coffee shops, which I think was your outsider um, um, yeah. prediction. Yeah. What? Uh, where did that come from?
2: Well, uh, it's interesting you said, I've had a lot of reaction from, uh, from that one. But I think there is some, yeah, it's a bit of a laugh, but there is some logic behind it. And uh, my thinking is twofold, really. Firstly, on Al's point, that basically, although they haven't stated it, it does appear that uh, Facebook want to kind of take over the internet and uh, they are branching into all these other areas. And just to mention a few others, you can actually uh, do money transfer in the States via Messenger. Mm. So that's sort of like PayPal territory and banking that they're getting into, which is obviously a natural link to uh, to, to shopping. So there's definitely a move to uh, expansion there. So there's that idea. So coffee shops, why not? But probably the main rationale is to look at other tech companies, and I'm thinking Amazon. So you've got Amazon that are doing their movies and stuff like that on the uh, on the tech side, but they've kind of like reversed their original thinking of taking the the bookshop online and are actually opening bookshops with uh, coffee shops within them in the in the states. So. If uh, do you follow my logic? So, if they yeah. can do it, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, why not Facebook? Even though, as you say, I am a betting man, but I suppose I probably have to put odds of about 66 to one on it happening this year. But you never know,
1: it would be very quiet in there, wouldn't it? Because everyone would be on their phones, no one would actually be talking to each other, they'd just all be messaging each other. It'd be just like a library, yeah. <laughs> that would be lovely, it'd be quite different, wouldn't it?
0: I'm not sure i'd like all the blue decor they might have to change their brand a little bit before i'm i'm down with that i want to, i like subtle warm colours <laughs>
1: <laughs> interestingly i was reading an article um just this week saying that more young people are kind of abandoning facebook because more and more people are on it and, and especially their parents uh, and and sort of trying to friend them and things and and they find it's such a sort of public place to sort of live their life in some ways that they just want—they just want to get away from that. Use other social media platforms that don't do as many things, because Facebook's just almost like too much of a giant beast. So, I guess with Facebook's sort of growth and all these new things, which yes, will be really useful, I think there will always be people who don't want all of that, and they just want a little private place to do their social media.
2: Yeah, there will be there will be some, as you say, but it's interesting because I think that's largely anecdotal and it is quite a popular conversation topic but if you look at the stats the stats don't actually bear that out uh certainly in the states um the percentage of the younger demographic joining facebook and using facebook is about 10 12 percent higher this year than it was last year so um the facts don't seem to bear that out but anecdotally yes it is kind of like one of those things that does appear to be appear to be happening Mm.
0: Yeah, I was speaking to my niece who was over. She's on a, uh, a gap year over here from the States. And she's actually helping us with some filming uh, over a couple of weeks. And just in, in traveling between clients, we were talking in the car. And now, she's about um, 19. So we were talking about um, social platforms. I was particularly interested because she was taking a lot of selfies. And apparently they were for Snapchat. And so I've used Snapchat briefly. I've had a look into it. It's just not somewhere I've placed my time. It's just another thing to learn right now with no direct benefit. Um, for me personally right now, or for the business. But I was very intrigued to get her opinion on it. And for her, sort of Snapchat is the way of just putting that information out there about her day and what's going on. So it's really um, quite uh, ephemeral, I think, is the word people use. It's just something that's put out there. This is what I'm up to. Instagram is the place where she's putting more curated posts about what she's up to again curated selfies i'm, I'm quite worried actually a lot of self is going on there but they they seem to be the better ones the ones she would pick because a lot on snapchat either she deletes or or they get deleted after a period of time um, but she does use facebook but she was saying that she she, she does find facebook is for where um, maybe family are and not necessarily friends i mean it's, it's not the friends aren't on there there are a lot of friends on there But when we were talking about specific messaging, where do you actually talk to your friends? She said it really does depend on where the friends are. You know, if they're in Facebook Messenger, are they on Instagram? Are they on WhatsApp or Snapchat? It really does depend on the type of friend and what system their friendship feels most comfortable using. So I think they're quite happy to swim between lots of different social platforms, frankly.
2: Mm. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Horses for courses, really, depending on what they want to uh, want to do with it.
1: The selfie lifestyle is concerns me a lot, and you know, it's very, it's so narcissistic, isn't it? And this, this idea of self all the time. And um, th- I saw a really interesting photograph of a monument in America where somebody commented that you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, people would rock up there and take photographs of it all facing it. And now yeah. they watched this place for a day, and people would just put their backs to it and do a photograph with them in it, they would never actually look at the monument. <laughs> it would be about them and the monument happens to be behind them. I was here. Uh, you know, that's yeah. the important thing, maybe.
0: Well, I'm not sure that's changed, actually. Um, we're going down one of those rabbit holes now. But I- I'm not sure that's <laughs> changed that much because it would be that you would, um, you know, you before the iPhone, you'd actually have cameras that would stand up on their own. You could actually place them on something because they had a fat enough bottom. Um, you could place them on a bench or something like that, put a timer on it and take a picture of you. I mean, it's only more recently the iPhone has actually had a timer on there. So, you know, if you've got a, a selfie stick or a tripod, um, the only way to take a picture of yourself was to hold it and, and do a selfie and push the button at the same time. But um, I think people have always wanted to be in landmarks. Certainly, I've, I've seen a lot of people on my travels when I was younger, their girlfriend or boyfriend would be taking picture of the other partner in that particular situation. It's like I was here. It's almost like scratching on the wall. I was here. I came to this place. Um, true.
1: But it's so much more frequent now, isn't it? It's yeah, I was yeah. here 20 minutes ago. I was here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here I am now. I'm still here. Maybe we're just grumpy old men and we don't, you know, we don't want to share what, what we're up to right now. <laughs> um, that's great, Jonathan. Thank you for those bold predictions. Um, maybe we can catch up in 2018 and see if uh, see which one's come true. Yeah. Maybe we'll meet at a Facebook coffee shop. Just in the last few minutes, it, um, you've you've sent in a couple of questions that that you get asked on a regular basis. I don't think we've got time for all of them, but it would be good to look at the first two, which are: how do I get followers and fans, and what social network should I be on? Yeah, yeah, they would be good ones to cover if that's okay. So uh, first, where how do I get my followers and fans?
2: Yeah, I can do that reasonably quickly because I think it it sort of falls into two two parts. Firstly, it's a question of optimizing your actual page or profile, so optimizing your presence. And there's a lot of changes all the time, so it's a question of keeping up to date with those and really maximizing the benefit of Facebook page layout, for example, and adding things like the shop section that we talked about earlier and new templates are something that's just come in as well. So you can actually pick a specific template for your type of, uh, type mm. of business. So that would be the first one, and then the other side of it is of course, your content. so it all really stems down to to that if you're producing quality content, that content will be shared, and people will be drawn in to like your like your page and follow you on on twitter and uh, and other other channels so two sides I would say optimize your presence and really optimize your your content by by providing value.
0: yeah, useful stuff yeah. So the second question, what social network should I be on?
2: Okay, so I think it's starting point for that really is where are your audience? Where are they spending their time? So there's no point being on, say, LinkedIn if you're not really kind of like business orientated, if your customers aren't in the business market. So Mm -hmm. if you're selling, say, T-shirts to people then you're going to be better off on uh, on a different channel and a and a more a more visual channel so that would be your starting point i think second point would be really what you're what you're actually quite comfortable with because everyone's got their sort of favorite social network and if you're not really going to dedicate time and get active every single day then it's it's not really going to work as as best as it should so i think that does have perhaps more relevance than people would normally normally consider so if you do spend a lot of time personally on facebook perhaps you should you should consider facebook and actually you know mentioning facebook it is it is really becoming a giant as we we're saying earlier so probably if you were if you were doing a list in terms of crossing them off and seeing what you're left with then facebook would probably be your starting point for for most businesses and just to throw in a bit of a curve ball on that uh, The general perceived wisdom at the moment, in fact, there's plenty of blog posts out there advocating that B2B type people, people providing professional services to the corporate world shouldn't really be wasting their time on Facebook. I'm kind of starting to not disagree with that, but I'm changing my opinion on that one. So I think that's going to be a shift 2017 because I think Facebook is becoming a place now where we do pay attention to, to, to business type matters. I think there's a there's a bit of a cultural cultural shift going on there, and I don't know about you guys, but I see plenty of ads in my feed from software developed software type people, mm-hmm. employment agencies, and other business to business kind of uh, services that uh, that I wasn't seeing a year ago.
1: Mm. It's as if they know all about me and what I like and what I don't like. Isn't <laughs> Fancy that. <laughs> I know.
2: That's pretty much it. Um, I would just sort of say that another thing is sort of whether you are service or, or product. So, just to build on that point, I think that's changing with regard to Facebook. But mm. conversely, if you are providing a professional service, so your marketing, your PR, your solicitor, you're an accountant, social media consultant, that sort of thing, then uh, LinkedIn is a is is an absolute must really i think a lot of people still think of linkedin as a recruitment site but it's changed massively now and there's lots of sales opportunities there you could blog on linkedin and with the microsoft takeover being ratified just before christmas we're gonna probably see lots of developments on uh, on linkedin this year and indeed there's yeah, a so. big, big desktop revamp that some people have already experienced had and uh, there's more to there's more to come so broadly speaking in summary you know if it's business to consumer facebook instagram and pinterest but i wouldn't necessarily rule them out but definitely if it's professional services you want to look at linkedin
0: lovely thank you very much i think that's a good roundup so where can we find you online jonathan
2: uh, i am at internet future across all social media and my website is intranetfuture.com
0: com. I'll make sure those are listed. And if you want to find out why Jonathan goes under the, the name of intranet future, listen to our previous interview. Where he explains how that all came about. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Kinnaird. Um If you just search for Ben Kinnaid, you'll find me in various different places as well. And Al is at Inventive Al on Twitter. And hopefully we'll see more tweets of you, Al. Um,
1: <laughs> you should. I'm, I'm <laughs> terrible. I, about one a year is about my average at the moment.
0: <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's all you need. Um, and our sponsor for this episode is Ticked Off, and you can go and sign up for 30 days free trial at ticked off.com. Thanks very much, guys. Um, it's been a brilliant interview, and look forward to seeing you again soon, Jonathan.
2: Fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me on.
1: Bye now.
0: <laughs> Tick it, 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 tick